1: Today is Monday, May 3rd, and this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Today on the podcast, I'm going to be joined by a special guest, friend of the program. Uh, you may know them from Twitter as of Casey will be joining me to talk about all things Bruins as well as their new Uh, role writing for Pride Diehards, which is very cool. Before we get to that chat and a recap of the Bruins weekend that was, let me remind you to please smash that subscribe button if you have not already. Each new episode, Monday to Friday, will be automatically added to your podcast feed, whatever app you use, uh, for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review very much appreciated. If you're on Twitter, you can find the podcast at LO Boston Bruins. On Instagram, we're locked on Bruins. And you can find me, my dad jokes, and hockey tweets at Ian C. McLaren. The Bruins played on Saturday afternoon against the Buffalo Sabres, ending their season series with the NHL's lowest rated team in terms of record this season. And it was Craig Smith who came through with a hat-trick in this one. Only his second career hat-trick. The Bruins winning 6-2 in this one. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, Nick Ritchie, Sean Corrales also scored, ending a pretty lengthy goal drought of his own. And the Bruins have now won 9 of their past 11 games since the trade deadline, pushing them into, at that 3rd uh, place in the East, the Islanders since overtook them and clinched the playoff spot, we'll get into that here in a moment. But the Bruins, uh, you know, playing as well as anyone could have hoped since the trade deadline, and really showing off some depth here now in the scoring department. Uh, Smith, Krejci, Hall on Boston's second line. The trio has combined for 16 goals and 33 points in 11 games. Head coach Bruce Cassidy said. Smith is a very popular guy in the room. Obviously, newer to the group, it's been more difficult for guys to kind of ingratiate themselves into the locker room with COVID protocols and such. But uh, the guys were really happy for him, and he's become, you know, a popular guy, a leader. And Krejci worked hard to get. Uh, Smith the hat trick so everybody was pretty happy for him happy for the whole line they've played really good hockey and hopefully they can stay hot the third line which has been uh, given a new look recently with Richie Corrales and Coyle they uh, you know contributed I mentioned Richie and Corrales both scored and Sean Coralli said you know the reaction said it all it felt good a lot of other things you try to take pride in but we could tell from his reaction how you know important it was for him to get that goal. The third line has kind of been in flux all season long. For a while it was Coyle, Frederick Smith, but injuries happen. Coyle moved to the wing, uh, goes against kind of what they've been trying to do, but you know, Corrali stepping up uh, to the third line with Richie on the left. Big line, big bodies, they continue to sort of play in behind teams, be hard, recover pucks, and they're hard to play against. Everyone has a goal the last two games, and Cassidy said, we'll see if we can keep it going. Uh, Jake DeBrusque moved in back into the lineup in this game. I thought he was pretty strong. He had a, a shot off the, the crossbar, and you know there's going to be some movement in and out of the lineup now that a playoff spot is almost clinched, uh, you're working towards resting some guys for the playoffs. But the third, sorry, the fourth line of DeBrusque, Lazar, and Kuhlman uh, played pretty well altogether. Kuhlman had a career-high six shots on net. And what uh, Cassidy is looking for from this line is just those second efforts. If Jake specifically is willing to do that, he'll have success in this league. Kuhlman, back in the lineup, did a lot of that, took it to the net. Shot the puck when he had opportunities. Cut in. Try to attack the net wherever possible. The line was good. Didn't get on the score sheet, but they did their job. Created energy and had some physical play out there. So, kind of the result we all expected. Bruins beating the Sabres. And that brings us to uh, tonight's game against the New Jersey Devils, where the Bruins can clinch a playoff spot with at least one point against the Devils, or if the Rangers lose in any fashion. Uh, any talk of resting guys over the rest of the regular season depends on obviously clinching first. Cassidy wants to take care of business. Then they'll start addressing, uh, how they're going to play out the lineup for the rest of the season. But they are, you know, um, able to rise in the standings. Possibly they sit one point back of the New York Islanders for third place. As I record right now, three points behind Washington for second with a game in hand on both those teams. And there are five points back of the Penguins with two games in hand on them. All three of those teams have clinched their place in the postseason. Bruins have yet to do so, but they have those games in hand. They're actually ahead of the Islanders in terms of point percentage. And uh, you can finish higher in the standings here if they decide to put a full effort in and, you know, put their best lineup out there each and every night. Um, there's a possibility of playing home games in the playoffs in the first round if they can get at least second in the division. A lot of familiarity there. There's still code restrictions and uh, reduced capacity, but still, uh, it's not going to be a bubble situation uh, you want to be as comfortable as possible, and you know they want to uh, play in the comforts of their own rink, and, and they have a chance to do that. Kevin Miller and Brandon Carlo will be joining the lineup uh, this week. Looks like Carlo will make his return tonight in New Jersey. and Kevin Miller, he's avoided playing both games of back-to-backs to manage the workload on his knee. He's also expected to um, be back tonight. Sorry, Carlo could be more likely for tomorrow night. Uh, in terms of how the goaltending situation is going to play out, uh, Tugarask will get the start on Monday, Jeremy Swayman probably getting the nod on Tuesday, and the way it's been going lately is one guy will start, and then Halak will be the backup, so as to give the guy who's not starting uh, a proper night off. Chris Wagner will be available tonight after missing Saturday's game with an undisclosed injury, but... Might not be able to work his way back into the lineup. Carson Kuhlman, like I said, had those career-high six shots while subbing in for Wagner. A decision will be made here on Monday as to how that will go and whether or not Frederick will sub back in for DeBrusque or if DeBrusque did enough on Saturday to get his spot back in the lineup. I certainly have been saying I think uh, the Bruins are better off with DeBrusque in the lineup than on the sidelines. And again, we'll see here how um, Bruce Cassidy decides to approach that beginning tonight in New Jersey. Before we get to my conversation with Casey, let me talk for a moment about Wealthfront. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free. By going to Wealthfront.com slash NHL. All you need is $500 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash NHL. Go to Wealthfront.com slash NHL and get started today. All right. I am... Happy to be joined on the podcast today by Casey Ferber. Casey is someone I've been following on Twitter for—I'm not really sure exactly how long now—but they have always uh, been a, a great follow, providing really smart and rational hockey takes, which is kind of rare uh, on Twitter. And uh, wanted to have them on the podcast for for a while now. So, Casey, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Good. How about yourself? doing all right for uh it's sunday here as we record for monday's podcast but yeah just uh we we're just saying the weather's a bit nicer got out this morning for a bit of a hike and yeah just kind of puttering, puttering around the house today what about you what have you been up to
0: i honestly woke up at like 1 p.m so oh, nice. pretty much my morning
1: <laughs> very nice <laughs> i That's work
0: awesome. a lot of nights so
1: okay okay well, I usually uh, like to ask people who come on the podcast kind of about their hockey origin stories. So, uh, yeah, how did you how did you get to be uh, a so fan? So my mom of, was a pretty game. big
0: Bruins fan growing up. She's from Massachusetts okay. when she moved to New York before I was born. So I kind of grew up a little displaced from the Bruins. But she got like the NHL package on the cable, and she's the oh, like, who cool. okay, really introduced me to them. But she's always been just like a big hockey fan as well. Like she will watch any game, any tournament. So that's really how I got into it. And then with women's hockey about 2015 and the NWHL formed, Mm. their first year actually played only like 10 minutes from my house. So we went to a lot of those games.
1: Oh, very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I haven't been to, I had been hoping to get to a Toronto six game this year in their first season, but obviously that wasn't possible, but yeah. whenever they do, whenever they do allow fans, I definitely want to, want to get over there to, to check out a game for sure. Um, you mentioned kind of how you became a Bruins fan. I've noticed you tweeting a lot about the ducks as well. What's uh, what's kind of the story with, with that uh, affiliation?
0: Uh, I guess the short answer is I'm just fascinated with terrible hockey teams.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, the,
0: the longer one is, like I said, I work a lot of nights. And I kind of oh, okay. to take a West coast team to watch last year was the Canucks more. Cause I liked their rookies, but my favorite hockey player was Danton Heinen and he got traded to the ducks last year. Right. Probably most people know. So between that and having some of those world juniors prospects coming up with the ducks, it made it an easy choice. So I just went with them.
1: Very cool. Yeah. I guess, I don't know. I haven't really watched, uh, watched Danton Heinen closely this season. What's uh, what's kind of going on with his game out there in anaheim since you've been able to watch some, some ducks games this season
0: well the whole Ducks season has been a very bizarre one for a rebuilding season mm. it's not quite straightforward there was a period of time in march where he almost got traded for someone in the vancouver canucks so that was right. definitely a weird portion of it yeah he, he didn't play for like three weeks because they were like holding him out and trying oh to.
1: i didn't realize he that.
0: came in sorry uh, yeah, but after that, he uh, has been pretty much solid in the lineup every night. He's been pretty good defensively. He's been on the first line, the fourth line, pretty much everywhere, both wings. So kind of like the what he was on the Bruins.
1: Um, right. And
0: yesterday he had a three-point night, so.
1: Oh, very cool. That would have been Ryan Miller's, uh, Ryan Miller's last game, I guess?
0: I think it's not his last game of the like season, but it's his last his game last at the start. Honda.
1: Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. And uh, what about David Backus? Has he been playing? I heard he uh, contemplating retirement after this season. Hasn't played too much, I guess. Did he – I thought he was going to get into that game, the final home game. Did he play that one as well?
0: He did not. He was on the ice after for the ceremony. But they kind of had their own unofficial send-off of him, I think, Mm. a couple games ago. And that's like he had that press conference after. So it seems like that was going to be his last game maybe of his career.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like Bruce Cassidy a lot, but I think I will always wonder what would have happened if, if they had let Backus play game seven against the St. Louis blues. I, I know Coolman scored in game six and he looked pretty good, but just that kind of emotional factor of him playing in game seven against his whole team. I really wonder if, I don't know if that would have been the difference per se, but if, if things might've been a bit different for him, if, Or if, you know, he'll have that regret of not being able to play in that game. I'm sure that that had to have been tough for him for sure.
0: Yeah, and it definitely, I felt bad because he didn't get to play much this season. It was kind of strange. I'm not exactly sure if it was a physical health thing that they kept him out of the lineup a lot of times or just Mm. weird lineup decisions because every game he played in, he looked great. And like he would get a point or score a goal and then get benched immediately after. But like I said, you know, I know he has concussion issues, so I don't know if that played a role.
1: Right. Yeah. I did see him a couple of weeks ago. He spoke at um, Colby caves memorial service. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that at all, but uh, I've had a, like a renewed appreciation for David Backus, kind of the person off the ice in recent, uh, in recent months, he really, from all accounts, like talking to Adam McQuid, I talked to the team chaplain for the Bruins on here as well. And they all had really, glowing things to say about him kind of off the ice just as a, a leader and a mentor and stuff. So, uh, and that Colby cave memorial service was really, uh, really touching the way that he talked about him. So I know even if he's not playing, I would expect that he'll have a role in the game at some point kind of coaching or, or something. He, he really does seem to have those kind of, lasting leadership qualities and hopefully the Ducks kind of benefited from him off the ice if if he wasn't playing that much anyways kind of like yeah. he did in Boston
0: yeah it definitely seemed like if you saw like with videos of the Ducks practices he was always joking around with like Max Comtois you know helping or helping out in Segrist. obviously he's a center and Seagrass was learning how to play center in the NHL this year so I think there was definitely like a player coach aspect of it
1: very cool yeah yeah that's awesome to hear I like that I like stories like that um, kind of pivoting to the Bruins. Uh, I was just talking in the first part of the podcast about how kind of they've won nine of 11 since the trade deadline, kind of a lot to be excited about uh, with this team right now. What uh, kind of, what are your overall impressions of the Bruins over the course of the whole season? And particularly since the, the trade deadline kind of this new look lineup that we've been enjoying over the past few weeks. Yeah, so I was actually
0: talking with someone about a similar topic yesterday and we kind of decided like I know last year there was a lot of talk like, oh, if the you know season never ended with COVID, could they have like won the Cup? I never felt that confident about last year's team and I would say mm. I actually feel way more confident about this year's team. And I think like obviously they've had a lot of issues before the trade down line where like every single defender except Charlie McAvoy was injured at some yeah. point. <laughs> I think even he was out for a game or two. So they kind of had a it's a lot of adversity and I think it's made them stronger as a team and it's starting to show now. And then you add in having some healthy players and good players and a former heart trophy winner, they look so much better. And this is definitely like the best second line we've had since 2013. Oh maybe. my
1: gosh. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, Oh, I can't even, <laughs> when I was so excited when they traded for Taylor hall, I was always like rooting for that to happen. I wanted it to happen back in the off season and I just can't believe the number of people who are like, well, I don't know, like trading Andres Bjork by backfire or Taylor Hall is not the same player he was, but he has, uh, I, I knew he was very good, but he has impressed me so much. Um, not only really, like offensively, but his play without the puck is uh, just blown me away. Like I didn't think, he was that strong kind of defensively, but his back checking and um, his play like in the offensive zone without the puck is just so impressive. Like I, if they don't resign him, I'll be, I'll be pretty sad. I think if they're not able to bring him back.
0: Yeah. I was really like skeptical of the deadline just cause I'm like, Oh, we're going to have to give up like two first and a third and like DeVrosk and Bjork and like everything. <laughs> right. And then it was like, Oh, we didn't, we didn't <laughs> yeah. have to give up any of that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he wanted to come to Boston obviously was a huge... They probably could have gotten more if if he wanted to go elsewhere, but it seemed like he pretty much pinpointed Boston as where he wanted to play, and, and that certainly helped... Uh, with the asking price for sure. It's just a, a steal, really, if when you look at it. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It comes in 18 amazing flavors, six of them new, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and lemon almond cheesecake, a personal favorite of mine. They're covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They're also great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Great if you're on the keto diet. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. BetOnline is the best place to go to make all your sports bets. You can get the best news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, nhl football ufc even before the next pitch head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code locked on bet online your online sports book experts get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the locked on today podcast Host Peter Bukowski updates you on all the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow Locked On today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. And to get Lazar in there as well. He's been really good in my mind. I don't think he's scored yet, but he's looked really well or played pretty well on the fourth line in kind of a depth role for sure.
0: He's definitely the most alive the bottom six has looked all season. I think letting Corally now get to move up to the third line and play center with Coyle on the wing. The two of them look right together, having mm-hmm. someone who's that good at puck possession with Coyle as Corrali has been in the past, since the deadline, I think they just click well. And I think it's kind of helping Coyle get back in his groove. And then you can have Lazar filling in on what Corrali's old role is. And he definitely brings physicality, but not like useless physicality. Like, I don't like <laughs> when players just throw their bodies around and get penalties and don't do anything. And Lazar definitely does everything with purpose.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that the fourth line looked really good on Saturday with the brusque and Coolman. I know Bruce Cassidy, it really seems to favor playing Chris Wagner, uh, Trent Frederick can get in there. I'm just, I'm really wondering kind of what um, it will take for the brusque to stay in there consistently and kind of where he'll fit. I'm kind of the opinion that the Bruins are best off with DeBrusque in the lineup and having that confidence and scoring. Um, do you think even though his game has fallen off a bit, there's still, still some hope there for DeBrusque that he can be a, an impact player this year, next season, or, you know, do you think he'll be scratched a bit still, or what do you think is uh, kind of the outlook for him over the next couple of weeks?
0: Yeah, I think honestly, screw- scratching him more may not be a bad thing, but not in a player punishment way. Mm. I honestly wonder if there's a, you know, his own concussion history, if playing Mm. such a heavy load this season and such a tough schedule really affected him physically. Because every time he's been held out of the lineup, he comes back and he looks healthier and faster. And then, you know, you play a couple back-to-backs, you play four games in a week and it kind of slows down. And maybe if they managed his, you know, playing time as they have been with like Kevin Miller's, They might be able to get more out of him when he is on the ice and they have the forwards to be able to do that. I also think having him with Coleman is good because Coleman is someone who can definitely match his speed and Lazar is someone who can draw away defenders and let them do their thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, if that sticks, that would, that would have to be like the, I don't know, maybe not the youngest, but the fastest skilled fourth line, like definitely in the East, but maybe, maybe all over. I can't, I can't think of another team that kind of has that much skill on their, on their fourth line.
0: Yeah. Maybe the Avs, that be... and
1: that's about it. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. I mean, they, the Avs were my pick to win the cup and I, I don't, uh, I don't foresee that changing anytime soon, but looking at the playoffs, the Bruins have a chance to clinch a spot tonight and they could theoretically move up to third, second, maybe even first in the East. If, if everything goes right, what's your, take on, uh, on the Bruins and the playoffs and how far this team can go. Do you see them coming out of the East division and going to the final four and maybe even to the, to the final or, um, is it the road in the East maybe a bit too tough for, uh, for them to come out of it?
0: I think the hardest team they're going to have to face in the playoffs, if no of the three teams would definitely be the Penguins. And I think Mm, if they're able to beat the Penguins, I think they could be any team in the league. Is my mm. honest opinion. I like the Capitals. They haven't shown too much issues with. They have, came out pretty well in that season series. And the Capitals, I think, they have a lot of skilled players. They don't really have a great system, and it doesn't seem like they have a lot of direction when it comes to actual on ice play. The Islanders, I think, have both of that, but with Anders Lee out, they've just really struggled.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Things show some issues with their death a little bit. I mean. I was getting a little annoyed the other day on like NBC or wherever where they were like, "Oh, well, you know, you have to understand they have Lee out." I'm like, oh, "The Bruins have had like every single person yeah. out except Nick Ritchie at this point." Seriously, so yeah, true. Which I think also shows if the Bruins do have injuries in the playoffs, they can they know how to handle it now, which helps. Yeah,
1: yeah. The I Patriots mean, are, yeah. Sorry. How many teams have had to rely on their third and fourth goalies for like extended stretches of the season? I don't. I can't think of any other team that that has had to do that.
0: Once again, I think it's just the abs from what yeah, I see. I know, I I know the Ducks that. played their third-string goalie at one point.
1: And it was like Maybe the, the one Leafs game they won. Too, I guess. They've had the Hutchinson in there a lot, but yeah, uh, the North is a bit of a write-off. But yeah, I I kind of agree with you that uh, Pittsburgh is probably the toughest toughest out. They might even see them in the first round, which would be which would be something. I know a lot of people are kind of hoping for maybe one last OV and the penguins showdown, but, uh, for me, yeah, I think the penguins capitals and then Islanders would probably be how I rank the East teams in terms of difficulty in the playoffs for sure.
0: Yeah. Like if you asked me before the trade deadline, I would say I don't want to face the Islanders but <laughs> yeah. right after. Yeah. I also try not to pick teams. My very first playoffs I ever watched. I, we were, me and my mom were like oh we want to play the hurricanes like that's probably going to be the easier matchup and then they lost to them so now i just am like whatever happens happens
1: right yeah yeah i'm excited to to get going obviously in a normal season we'd be in the playoffs at this point but uh, a couple weeks left bruins have what six games left and yeah i'm pretty pumped to see uh what they can do in the postseason i i haven't been I mean, obviously 2019 was exciting, but in terms of like looking at the roster, assessing their chances, um, I think this is probably the strongest team the Bruins have had top to bottom, uh, maybe since 2011. Like, I think this is better than the, the 2013 team. I think it's better than the 2019 team. Maybe not defensively, but that hasn't really been a problem still, despite the the changes. So yeah, I'm excited to see what they can do for sure.
0: I honestly think this team might be stronger defensively than the 2018-19 team because hmm. Mac have always developed a lot more. True. Like, it's getting so much more minutes. And, like, you look at some of those games, it was, like, when they dressed seven defenders one of those games in the finals and they played, like, Clifton 14 minutes and John <laughs> yeah. Moore was getting, like, 18 minutes. It's like, what are we doing here?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially with like, Carlo healthy. He's expected to, to be back in the lineup. Uh, if Kevin Miller can stay healthy, like, when he's been in, he's been – pretty good I I wouldn't go as far as uh maybe Jack Edwards and Andy Brickley like lauding his, (laughs) his like offensive abilities per se but I mean he's definitely uh the team seems to really rally around him for for better or worse so I think yeah if they're all healthy uh with Mike Riley in there yeah you might be right I don't think they uh they'll be hurting on that end of, of the ice and especially the way the forwards kind of get back and support as well. That's always been a kind of a trademark of of a Bruce Cassidy team. Um yeah. yeah.
0: I think too like having I, I'm a lot higher on the Bruins defense than I think a lot of Bruins fans are. And I don't know if that's because I also watch the ducks and I watch <laughs> yeah. basically none of them be able to play defense, even when they're good. They just have no defensive system coach wise. Like but Jave Pendolphone versus he could basically make any defender serviceable at this point. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, they made Tenortie
0: serviceable in a sense. Yeah. So.
1: I know there was even a, a point a couple of weeks ago where I was like, Tenorti, he could be in the like uh useful in the playoffs. And it's like, yeah, for a guy who was scooped up off waivers. I don't think he'll be in the top six, but in a pinch, I think he could still be pretty effective. I've I liked I have liked what I've seen from Jared Tenortie when he's been in there this season. Uh, which was like, yeah, kind of unfathomable at the beginning of the season. Wouldn't even expected him to be on the team.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I think the key is is Rask. He's been playing pretty well lately. If he can play similar to how he did in, in 2019 or he has, how he has in the past, they, uh, they certainly, maybe besides the Islanders, have the best goaltending in the East as well, or most proven goaltending at the very least. So that should be an advantage too, I think.
0: Definitely, and being able to handle that kind of workload, obviously, Rask has been through a condensed season before in 2013 and through a long mm. run of that.
1: Uh, then it'll be interesting to see Yeah, if, they, if Halak is the backup or if Swayman's is the backup in the playoffs. I'm kind of leaning towards Swayman at this point, but um, Halak, uh, maybe, I don't know, he might have started his last game for the Bruins already. Uh, the way that Swayman's playing, I- I'd be more inclined to, to keep him on as the backup for sure.
0: Yeah, I think when it comes to actually dressing a backup, it'll be Halak just because he has more experience coming in right. cold. If something, you know, either if something happened in Tuka got lit up or if he got injured, God forbid, you probably want the more experienced one going in there, you know, halfway through the second. True. But if he, Rask was actually out for an extended period of time or they were to face a back to back, I think they want Swayman
1: in. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's kind of what they've been doing uh, in the regular season. Like if, if Rask is starting, then Halak will be the backup swim and get the, like a true night off and vice versa. So that's, uh, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it like that. That's, that's probably likely what they would do. Um, well, yeah, I think that was all the questions I had, Casey. Thank you so much for, for taking some time. I do like to ask people when they come on to kind of, uh, what's, uh, occupying them outside of hockey. Is there anything that you're kind of watching or reading these days that, that you would recommend? I'm listening to a
0: lot of music these days. So oh, yeah, okay. This had a new Beach Bunny EP, which is a band from Chicago I really like, so that's been on my rotation a lot. And oh, very hoping cool. Soon, hopefully, we can go back to music venues for I day. know.
1: I miss that a lot. I think it's been, like, two years since I went to my last concert. And, uh, yeah, I had had one to go to in May last year, but that was canceled. And then, Yeah. Nothing, nothing happening since then, but that's something I miss very much apart from going to live sports games for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Thank you so much again for, for joining the podcast. And uh, I wanted to mention too, that you will be contributing if you haven't already to uh, Prides Diehards. Can you tell people kind of where they can uh, find you on Twitter and and where they can find your contributions to uh, pride coverage?
0: Yeah, so my Twitter at is the worst case of the case is spelled K-A-C-E. I am also at at Pride Diehards, or if you go to the Bruins Diehards, you know, web page. So my articles are there as well. And I also write for Venus Sports, which is at Venus Sports Co. I have an article up on Pride Diehards about Kaylee Fracken winning Defender of the Year. And I just published something today on Sunday about Michaela Gritt-Mentis winning MVP for the NWHL on Venus Sports.
1: Very cool. Yeah, well, people, be sure to check that out. And uh, I'll share, share your handle with the podcast as well. And, and thanks so much for for coming on. I'll be sure to uh, to hit you up again soon to chat, maybe in the playoffs.
0: Sounds great. Thank you.
1: Awesome.